So this morning, uh, we get this on right. Uh, we're looking at Isaiah 6, uh, 1 through 8. Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. Uh, you'll find the words up, up behind me, or if you've got it with you, you can follow along uh, that way too. But before we open this book that we love, uh, let's pray together. God, it is good to, to be in this place, uh, to gather with each other uh, here and, and online, and you make this possible. And God, as we open your word, we, uh, we trust that you'll speak to us. We trust that you'll, that you'll do whatever it is you need to do in our lives to, to make us who you want us to be. So open our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 6, starting at verse 1. Hear these words. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted in the train of his robe, filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a, with a, lot, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth. And he said, See? This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. We'll go that far. I don't know why, but this is one of my favorite little passages in Scripture. Oh, I just love it. The vision, the, what it communicates, what it says to us. I don't know why. I just, I've always loved it. Um, so here's, here's how we're going to enter into this. I think it's important for us every once in a while as a people, as a community, uh, to, to really just sort of think about what we're doing. Like, what, what are we doing here right now in this space, in this time? Right? When we gather here together as a people for worship, when we turn on our phones or tablets or computers or whatever it is and we, we tune in online, what's going on? What's happening here? What's this all about? Because we think this time is really important, don't we? Like we think it's really important. In fact, we think it's so important that when this whole pandemic thing started, we figured out a way to do this thing online. We're like, we're going to do it virtually. 
Right? We, who had no idea what we were doing, decided we're going to figure it out because this time is that important. And here's the deal. Your expectation was that we would do that. We, who had no idea what we were doing, your expectation was for us to figure out how do we do this online because we can't not have church. That we have to worship somehow, some way we know deep down in our bones, in the deepest parts of ourselves, that we, we just need this. If we want to live, if we want to really live, we need worship. That's how important it is for us. And if that's how important it is, then we probably ought to know what's going on when we do this thing called worship. So again, what's happening right now? What's, what's going on? What's, really, what is this time that we spend together? What's it all about? Right? So, I'm going to give it to you up front, just so that there's no mistaking me later. Uh, so I want to say it. Uh, I want to say it right away. Um, and this isn't an opportunity for you to listen to what I say just for the next moment and then turn off your brains because you're like, I got the, I got the main point, so I don't need to listen anymore. No, keep listening. But here, I'm going to give it to you up front. Worship is all about God. Worship is all about the divine. Oh, when we gather here, whatever it is that we do in here, it's all about, it's all about God. And as we train ourselves by gathering here together, week after week after week after week, we then begin to understand that whatever it is we do out there as well, that too is all about God. Maybe you've heard this before. God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This book tells us that. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last alpha, and the omega, the beginning and the end. It begins with God, it continues with God, and it ends with what? With, with, it ends with God. How does this book begin? What are the first words of the first book in this Bible? I'll give them to you. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. This is God's story, and all of history is God's story, and we're just sort of caught up in it, captured by it. So, worship. Let's get into this idea. It's all about God. Let's get into this idea by just looking at the story that Isaiah gives us uh, this morning. So, this picture what's going on here. So here's Isaiah. Really, he's just, he's, we know he's in the temple because he sees the whole temple filled with smoke. So what's going on here is he's in the temple. He's in an ordinary worship service, not unlike what we're experiencing right here, right now in this place. He's probably not watching on Facebook, but you get the idea. He's in a normal worship service, just like this one, right? He's gathered there with all the people of God when all of a sudden he has this extraordinary experience of the divine. You can almost see him, right? Just use your imagination. He may have been standing there stroking his beard. 
For some reason, I think Isaiah needs a beard. In my head, he's got a beard, so I invite you to picture him that way too. So Isaiah is there stroking his beard as he's listening to one of the teachers teach from Torah, and his mind begins to wander. Has that ever happened to you? No, never. His mind begins to wander. We know how things go. He starts thinking about the death of Uzziah, the king. In the year that King Uzziah died, the king was dead. The throne of Israel was empty, which made them vulnerable in this moment. He's having an anxiety attack in church. He, along with the rest of the people of Israel, are wondering whether or not, now that their throne is empty, they have no real leadership, if, if the kingdoms just to the north will come and defeat them. Without any leadership, with the throne empty, they're probably thinking to themselves, they're just a bunch of sheep among wolves, right? So there's Isaiah. He's sitting in a normal worship service, not unlike this one, and he's having all of these anxious thoughts. And then suddenly, it happens, right? He has this extraordinary encounter with the true king still on his throne. And this encounter was so amazing. It was so awesome. It was so unimaginable that he could barely have words to describe what it is that he's experiencing, right? It was so overwhelming at that moment that it was almost like heaven and earth now became one. They collided. He's not just in the temple. He's now in the very throne room of God. He looks up and he sees the Lord high and exalted with just the train of his robe, just the hem of his robe filling the temple. Right? There were odd-looking heavenly beings flying all around. They had these wings. They're six wings? What is this? They cover their faces. They cover their feet. And with two, they're flying. They're obviously in awe of God. And so they start spontaneously singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. And their voices were so big and so magnificent and so awesome that the whole temple shook as it filled with smoke. That's what he sees. Think about that vision. Who's the vision about? God. God is the center of this thing. Remember, this was just an ordinary worship service, not unlike this one, and that's what he saw. Just the hem of God's robe filled the whole place. Just the hem. God is huge. The temple is filled with smoke, just like the whole earth is filled with God's glory. That's what Isaiah sees. Friends, when we come to worship, even in just an ordinary setting, just like this one, what do we expect? When we gather in a place like this, or when we're watching online, what, what are our expectations? Like, do we expect to be entirely overwhelmed by the presence of the divine, the presence of the creator of the universe? Do we, do we come with that expectation, or do we come with another set of expectations? Because here's the deal. I think often, I do this too, and I'm the dude who's supposed to be in charge? What? I think oftentimes, we make this time, just like everything else in our lives, we make it about us. 
we come here with the expectation that we even use language like this. I, I want to be fed. Right? We come with that expectation. We come with the expectation that when we gather here together, people will be nice and friendly. And for the most part, that happens. We come here with the expectation that Emily is going to sing some really good songs and she's going to do a really good job so that we can be sort of uplifted through song and we want to feel really good about ourselves. We expect that we'll be, we'll be filled up so that by the time we're done with whatever it is that we're doing here, we can walk out the doors or we can turn off our devices and we can be filled up and ready to go for another week. All of that's okay. All of that's good and a lot of that stuff happens. But if that's all that worship is, if that's all that it is, we're bound to be disappointed. We're gonna get let down. Here's what I mean by that. When the sermon is just kind of so-so or just flat out bad, happens. We get really disappointed. It's like, I didn't get what I needed today. Right? Or, when, or when we've got a little extra noise in the place because we've got little ones with us, our anxiety level sort of goes up, or like, I can't pay attention like I want to, and we get really disappointed. Or when Emily plays the wrong chord, that never happens. <laughs> but if it ever did... We would be like, all of a sudden, we'd get highly anxious, and we'd be like, oh, no. Like, what's, what's happening? Like, is it all falling apart? Right? Someone's cell phone makes a noise, and again, our anxiety goes up. And one of those things or more happens every single Sunday, and it has the possibility of just letting us down because it's all about us. Friends, when we come here, what do we expect? We probably should expect to meet the living God because worship is first and foremost about God. Did you know that the root meaning of the Hebrew word that we translate as Hebrew, it, from Hebrew, we translate as worship, it, it means to bow down. And we don't do that anymore. We don't bow on the ground. That's what it means to to bow down. It's to release our lives into the life of God. It's to immerse our hearts into the heart of God. It's to let go of ourselves. It's to let go of all of our expectations and just let God be God. And look at what happens to Isaiah. He's all worried and anxious about the throne being empty. He's having these thoughts. In the year that King Uzziah died, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, God gives him a vision right? I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. It's almost as if God was saying through this vision to Isaiah, don't be anxious. Don't be worried. It doesn't matter that Israel's king is dead. This isn't about you. Here I am. I'm still on my throne. It's all about God. Jesus said it another way. He said something like this, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or drink. Don't worry. Don't worry about your body or what you will wear. Don't worry about tomorrow. I am here, and I am on your side. Let's look a little more closely at this vision. The whole earth is filled with God's glory. The glory of God, it's like this. It's dense. It's rich. It's full. It's abundant. It, it, it's like it explodes from itself. 
It's all about God. It's the grace of God. It cannot be contained. It's the love of God. It just flows. It's all about God. But look at what happens when we realize that it's all about God. What's next in the story is so good. Look at what happens when we bow down, when we sort of let ourselves go and and allow God to just be God. Isaiah has this vision. God is on his throne. His glory is filling the whole earth. The angels are singing spontaneous praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. At the sound of their voices, the whole place is shaking and filled with smoke. Now look at what's next. How does Isaiah respond? He's like, woe to me. I am ruined. When's the last time you came to worship and were like, kind of want to be ruined today? Woe to me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He has this encounter with the divine, and that's how he responds. Notice, Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say this. He has this direct encounter with God, and he doesn't say, happy are those who walk in the ways of the Lord. Or blessed am I, for I have seen the glory of God. No, he says, woe is me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Friends, when we, when we let go of ourselves, and, and we let God be God, and we experience the presence of God, when we finally step into the glory of God, that light shines upon us and we begin to see things about ourselves. We begin to see that all isn't perfect. It's not, well, if we're honest, that's the reality of it. And it's only in the light of God's glory that we really see those things and pay attention to those things. Why? Because there's no pretending. In the presence of God, is there? There's no pretending. But the story goes on. Isaiah doesn't linger there. God doesn't leave Isaiah there. There's some good news here. It's not like we go to church to feel guilty all the time. But to pay attention to our lives, absolutely. And then, here's the good news. God isn't angry or vengeful. God is a God of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And get this, even transformation. Look at what happens next. Once Isaiah realizes that, oh my goodness, this whole thing is about God, not just here, but the whole earth is filled with God's glory, only then when he's in that place where he realizes that this is all about God and I'm just caught up in it, it's only then that God decides to then make it about Isaiah. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal which he had taken from, with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth. He touched me right in the place where I needed it the most because I am a man of unclean lips. Where do you need it the most? Touched him right there. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. So there all of a sudden stands Isaiah, right? Forgiven, somehow different, 
renewed, transformed even. God wants to transform our lives. God wants to change us. God wants to burn everything away that separates us from him. Everything in our lives that separates us from God, God wants to to burn that away. If we're struggling this morning with this intense feeling of, of inadequacy, God wants to burn that away. You are loved by the creator of the universe. If we've come here this morning and we struggle with things like jealousy, God wants to burn that away too. Because look around you. Look at your life. You have everything you need. Everything you need. If we've come here this morning and we, we struggle with a sense of pride or self-righteousness, God wants to burn that away. Humility is a better way. If we come here this morning and we struggle with anger, God wants to burn that away too. Gentleness, it's just a better way. Grace, it's a better way. A gossipy tongue, a hot temper, impatience, whatever it is, whatever it is that separates us from God, God wants to burn it away. God wants to touch us with a hot coal and burn it away. God is a God of love and grace and mercy and transformation. But that can only happen when we come here openly and honestly. So I have one more thing to say this morning. I think this is something that maybe, maybe Isaiah was reminded of that, that day in worship. And I think, I think it's a little bit of, of what God meant when he first gave the Ten Commandments and he gave the first one. He said, you shall have no other gods before me. Like, oftentimes I think we think of our lives in terms of priorities. Right? And then we hear that, oh, it's all about God. Okay. And that means that we make God our number one priority, right? And then comes family, and then comes job, and then, or school, or, and then we make like a list. How many people are list makers? Are you list makers? We got lots of list makers here. So we put God as our top priority. And so that's sort of how we think of it. But that presents a little bit of a, a problem because what happens is we end up compartmentalizing our lives. Like it's, have, it's like we have these separate boxes, We have a God box, we have a family box, maybe a job box, and we have maybe a a school box, or maybe a this is what I like to do for fun box. So we've got these different boxes. And on Sunday, we open this one, the God box, and we're like, yeah, that will get me through the rest of the week. At home, we open the family box. At work, we open the job box. At school, we open that box. And there winds up being very little integration we often live by a different set of values at church than we do at home. We live by a different set of values at church than we do at work. So that's, that's not what we're saying when we say it's all about God. God's glory fills the earth, the whole earth, all of creation. Here's what I think God is trying to tell us through this image that Isaiah gives us. I think God is trying to say something like this. He's like, I don't want to be number one on some list. 
I don't want to just be your top priority. Like, I want to be the one that's at the center of it all. All of it. I want to be the, the center of the wheel that holds all the spokes of your life together. I want to be your ultimate concern. I want to be your singular passion. I don't want anything to rival the place that I have in your life. I want to be in the middle of all of it. There can be nothing in your life that compares to me. Oh. That's how important you are to God. That's how important you are to the creator of the universe that God would want your love and your devotion, all of it. Oh. Worship. It's all about God. And when we make it about God, God meets us wherever it is we need it. And God changes us makes us new, makes us more like who God revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus. People who lead with love because we've been loved. Let's pray. God, thank you for all the ways that you meet us in this place. And God, that you've promised to meet us in this place when we gather together, when we, when we tune in online, that somehow, some way, your spirit, you make your presence known. And when we release ourselves into your hands, into your presence, somehow, some way, you transform us in that. And God, we recognize that it doesn't happen overnight. Often it's, it takes a lifetime. It's a rhythm that we get into. And as we train ourselves to give ourselves to you here in this space for an hour on Sunday morning, little by little by little, we, we begin to release ourselves to you out there when we're in the middle of the world that is filled with your glory. We, we release ourselves even a little more out there. And our whole lives become about you. And our whole lives become worshipful. worshipful. We offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.